The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us here on Winning Ponies. I'm always glad we've got a crowd, and we we do monitor you. You know, we're kind of like Alexa, believe it or not. We're we're looking around your house right now and scanning your computer and getting information on you, and we love every one of you guys. Uh, we do hope that you'll scan the computer at winningponies.com uh, and pull down our easy win forms. Another good week uh, from coast to coast. Um, all the way out at Golden Gate, um, we pulled down a uh, $1 Super 5 key that paid over $1,900. And let's go about as far away as you can down in Tampa and uh, got a $1 Super High 5 that paid $2,200. And uh, if you're up at night and you want to catch some racing from northern Kentucky, Turfway Park is up and running. We caught a big one on the 22nd five days ago, and it was a Pick six, the $2 version returned $4,130. Well, as you already know, I'm John Englehart, and my two guests tonight, first one, first-time starter, second one, a veteran of the show. The first one's uh, the first-time starter, Brian Sanfratello, and he's the uh, executive secretary of the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association. Uh, as you know, it came out, I announced it on the show, oh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, uh, that the Pennsylvania governor wants to raid the racing and breed funds. Listen to this. He wants more than $2 million to be redirected to college scholarships. All well and good, but does he realize he would absolutely decimate the horse industry in the state of Pennsylvania? Um, you know, again, everybody sees the horses run in a circle and happy people in the winter circle. The amount of people it takes to get that horse to the races, starting to before conception, uh, taking the mare care and, and, and the stallion and all the people that take care of those horses and the land that they live on and the people that work on the farms and the people that feed them. Well, I'll go over that, uh, with Brian Sanfratello, but th th this, uh, this governor, he is uh, you know, walking. His name's Tom Wolf, by the way, if anybody wants to send him a nasty letter in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So basically, uh, it, it would end all Pennsylvania horse race development fund payments. So uh, we'll talk, of course, to Brian and find out what's going on. Hopefully, they've been able to put a stop to this. But a lot of the breeding farms have been getting calls from people saying, hey um, – you know, I, I don't think I'm going to breed in Pennsylvania this year because three years from now, I don't know what kind of purses I'm going to be running for if uh, if this $2 million plus goes back to college scholarships, uh, the Nellie Bly tuition program. Uh, I don't think he knows how many people he's going to put out to work, and I haven't even gotten to <laughs> the people at the racetrack. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Well, again, we'll uh, we'll let Brian address that and tell us what's going on in Pennsylvania. As you can see, I'm rather uh, 
uh, you know, serious about this when I, when I talk about it because it's very close to my heart. And then Eric Wang, we're lucky we try to get Eric on as often as I can. He's such an intelligent guy. He's a really good handicapper. And he was out, uh, you know, he, he's kind of the let's get ready to rumble guy at the National Handicapping Championship. He's kind of the master of ceremonies out there. Of course, he's the communication director for Horse Tourneys, and uh, there's a lot going on. I know there's uh, one he wants to talk about uh, specifically that's coming up this week. But uh, So uh, we will be uh, talking to Eric, and then, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what is on the card at Gulfstream Park. Now, first of all, you're going to have to get up pretty early in the morning for two reasons. Gulfstream Park's going to start early, and it is the Saudi Cup. It's like, whoa, that's not on my radar, John. Well, it certainly should be. Now, just to, before I jump subjects, we're talking about eight graded stakes races at Gulfstream. Stuff you can really get your teeth into. We've got two points qualifying races for the girls – there's the Devana Dale Stakes, and for the boys, it's the Phasic Tipton Fountain of Youth Stakes, as you know, a very important race on the racing calendar. But uh, other grade twos that will be run will be the $300,000 Gulfstream Park Mile. That's got a very interesting cast of characters. And the Mac Darmida, that's a $200,000. Uh, going real long, 11 furlongs on the turf, and, that, and that's a grade two. And then the rest of the races on the card that are stakes races are grade three, and there's really some high-quality maiden races. So you're going to need those easy win forms. Now, talking about getting up early, before you even start betting the first at Gulfstream, uh, a number of top American horses are in Saudi Arabia this week uh, for Saturday's Saudi Cup. Listen to this. More than... 29 million in purse money. Um, the top international fields have been assembled. Uh, now don't forget the richest race in racing, the $20 million Saudi Cup is going to be run. Uh, and that has, I'd say the American horses, except for the ones that may be getting parked outside in the post position, are going to be pretty good. Now, John, where can I watch it? Well, a lot of you got favorite sites, and hopefully uh, tracks are going to open up their OTBs a little bit early. But uh, it looks like the Saudi Cup itself is going to air on Fox Sports 1 here in the U.S. And they say it's possible because uh, you never know what's going to pop up on Fox Sports 2, but the undercard may be on Fox Sports 2. But there's also uh, a website called flowsports.tv, and I'll spell that for you, F-L-O-S-P-O-R-T-S dot TV, um, that you can reach out to. Now, race one, coffee and slippers, please, Eight in the morning, <laughs> the $1 million Nagai Motors Cup. And uh, this was going to be the spot for more fours of the Peter Miller train grade one winner. Instead, it uh, looks like Aiden O'Brien has got the standouts uh, in, in that first race with your eight o'clock cup of coffee. Second race at 835. Now, these are Eastern time here in the U.S. The $1 million 1351 cup and 
two Americans, Doug O'Neill's Legends of War and Miller's Ghoul, will take part. It's a six and a half furlong turf sprint. And uh, Legends of War got to watch him run it as a Kentucky Down Stakes winner last fall. So, uh, again, now that's going to be run at 835 in the morning. Okay, now maybe you're getting your eggs ready. It's up to 910. The bacon's cooking. 2.5 million Longines Turf Cup. No American runners in here, uh, but it's uh, loaded with uh, the 2018 Melbourne Cup winner, Cross Counter, going for Godolphin, and a classy European campaigner by the name of DXB. I'm sure there's many others that I don't know about, but uh, you can learn more about them on the past performances wherever you prefer to get those moving right along race four 1.9 million this is an arabian classic so uh, i don't know anything about them so we'll just move on now it's 10 30 half a million dollars it's just a local handicap for local horses uh then uh, race six is the $800,000 Saudi Derby, which is a potential tune-up for the March 28th UAE Derby. And uh, Breeders' Cup juvenile runner-up Billy Batts uh, will switch to dirt here, while uh, Asmussen's bringing in Rowdy Yates off a of victory in Sunland Park's Riley Addison Derby. Again, that's a mere $800,000. Well, if you got the sleep out of your eyes by 11.50, uh, you'll get to see the $1.5 million Saudi Sprint. Uh, but uh, Asmussen sent over Engage, who's a newcomer to his barn, who won the Keeneland Phoenix uh, last year. Again, this is Saturday morning over in Saudi Arabia. Then, hopefully... Maybe you missed some of the early ones. You'll be up by 1240. You would for football season, wouldn't you? The main event includes five Americans led by champions, Maximum Security and Midnight Bizu. And I understand they are both training very, very well over there. And uh, so uh, the, uh, grade one winner McKenzie is going to be in there, too. So it'll be very interested uh, to, to watch that race and uh I'll be tapping Eric for his knowledge of uh, what he what he has in general about the Saudi Cup, but twenty million dollars. Now, something that uh, you know, I try to put so much uh, into the show. I don't always get to everything in time. Um, hopefully, you had heard by now that the legend AP Indy died at thirty-one. You got to go back to nineteen ninety-two uh, when he was Horse of the Year. As it turns out, one of the world's greatest stallions. He died peacefully. He had not been breeding of late. Um, the Lanes End Farm and how really that uh, AP Indy meant so much to Lanes End and William Farish. Um, you know, uh, he, he's a good-looking son of Triple Crown winner Seattle Slough. Uh, leading, he was the leading sire twice, leading broodmare sire once, and among the leaders on both lists multiple times. Uh, on the track, uh, Bruce Foote and uh, a blind quarter crack cost him a chance to run in the Kentucky Derby, uh, which he would have come into off five consecutive wins, including the Santa Anita Derby over Bertrando. Uh, but uh, they determined that the Preakness came up too quick. They did decide to go to the Belmont Stakes, uh, where he rolled to a five-and-a-half length score over Colony Light. So he was a Belmont Stakes winner. Now, uh, 
he was a good looking son. He must have been because he was one of the richest horses ever purchased. He brought two point nine million at the Keeneland sale. But certainly between what he made at the races and what he made um, as a stallion uh, made, made up for those things. Now to some upbeat Jackie move, uh, news. How about Ohio based Jackie? Louis Quinones won his 2020 George Wolf Award, and uh, he'll be uh, going down to Santa Anita to accept that. Uh, he's America's second leading rider by races won last year, uh, originally a native of Puerto Rico. Uh, you see him mostly in Ohio and West Virginia. He's a real class act because the Wolf Award can only be won once. It's recognized riders whose careers and personal character uh, garnered esteem for them and the sport of thoroughbred racing. Um, it's a the real wolf trope. It's a replica of the life-size statue of Hall of Fame jockey George the Iceman Wolf, which you can see in Santa Anita Park's paddock if you are ever there. Uh, Quinones is 41, and uh, he out... Uh, he outgained five other jockeys uh, to, to get that honor. So uh, congratulations to Luis Quinones. Now, another Ohio angle. How about this? This guy used to be a standout high school player when he was in Cincinnati. Deshaun Parker. How about this, folks? He has twice been the leading rider in North America. Okay? You've got to meet him in the paddock. People don't believe it. He is five foot 11 but he's able to keep his weight down naturally and he just wraps himself around horses uh you've got to watch this guy ride but until you see him walk out in the paddock you don't realize he's 511 it's like oh my god and uh but last weekend uh he took all four sam houston stakes races Four stakes races in a day. So uh, congratulations to Deshaun Parker, a uh, real class act. Uh, his, his father, Daryl, was the uh, first uh, black racing official in the United States. Uh, what a great guy. And he is now an official uh, in Ohio. Just a super, super family. And uh, congratulations uh, to Deshaun. Uh, so uh, he did win the Lafitte. Pinkai Award back in 2012. And uh, Ray York, probably most of you don't remember him. I remember reading about him. Uh, he uh, won the Kentucky Derby, passed away at 86 uh, last Sunday. He was born in uh, uh, Gloucester, Massachusetts. And uh, then he went on to win uh, the Hollywood Gold Cup and a lot of good races, uh, moving up uh, determined. It was kind of a small gray horse. Uh, who won the uh, Santa Anita Derby and the Strube. And he went on uh, not only to be a good stallion, but most importantly, he won the 1962 uh, Kentucky Derby. So uh, Ray York is uh, gone, but certainly not forgotten. Everybody liked him because he was such a uh, – they used to call him walkie-talkie because wherever he went, he he was yammering away. Now, something that's going to happen on Friday, our friend Sophie Doyle, she's off to compete in Saudi Arabia. Uh, she is uh, – going to be uh, competing against 13 of the best riders in the world in Friday's International Jockeys Challenge. And uh, Joe Christofek wrote a really nice story on Sophie, who was you know, born in, in England. Most people know her brother, James Doyle, who's a really accomplished uh, European jockey. 
And uh, so she did very well as an apprentice over in England, but she came in over here. Boy, all you got to do is meet her for a few seconds. And uh, she is just one of the nicest people you will meet in racing. But she's got some great things to say. And I think if you go to uh, Fairgrounds website, you'll find the story that Joe wrote. And uh, you can follow the, the journeys and the successes of the female riders at the Fairgrounds on Twitter. It's uh, hashtag FG Bella Riders. So Good luck to Sophie uh, across the pond. So uh, let's uh, not forget to keep checking out uh, Gary West horses on the road to Kentucky Derby. I know I'm getting crunched for time here. I'll give you his quick top 10. You know, we have Gary on pretty regularly, and we will again before the Derby. Uh, he's such an eloquent writer. But at the top right now, he's got Dennis's moment. We'll find out in the Fountain of Youth. Tis the Laws waiting for the Florida Derby. He's the second. And then we got Thousand Words, a Baffert-trained pioneer of the Nile, Nadal. Bob Baffert. Uh, We've got to find out more about that horse. Solo Valente. Patrick Biancone on the three-year-old trail right now. Uh, then the six, he's got Honor AP. He's a John Sheriff's trainee. Steve Asmussen trained Silver Prospector. Uh, Independence Hall. And uh, so uh, number nine is Authentic. And 10 is Storm the Court. All right, that's the top 10. Well, I could go on, but we've got to get to our guest. So uh, with that said, we're going to take a little bit of a break. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, as I told you at the top of the show, we got a first-time starter with us, and when I read this headline, it 
about two weeks ago, which just knocked me out of my chair about uh, the Pennsylvania governor wanting to raid the racing and breeding funds. His name is Governor Tom Wolf, and our guest is the uh, uh, executive secretary of the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association, recommended to me by Stu Kirschenbaum. His name is Brian Sanfratello. Brian, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me, John. Well, Brian, before we get into this uh, fiasco, if I can call it that, uh, tell us a little about, about, a bit about yourself. I mean, uh, to get to the position of uh, ex- executive secretary for the state of Pennsylvania breeders, uh, you've got to have some pretty good credentials. I'm wondering how you got into the game. Well, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, back in the uh, 90s, uh, my wife and I used to go to the track with a friend of ours and his wife, uh, who had a couple horses uh, uh, in an earlier time period back in the 80s. Um, we talked a little bit about it, and I said, well, we're thinking about maybe getting in the game. And, uh, you know, we talked uh, over the course of a couple of months or so, and uh, my wife and I gave it a shot. So that's how we originally got into it. Um, my... Uh, my daughter will never uh, forgive us because uh, uh, we were going to get a swimming pool at that time, and we put that on hold <laughs> and bought our first horse. <laughs> uh, sorry, honey, you're going to have to come sweat at the track. No swimming today. Huh? <laughs> I, hope, I hope she liked the game. I had three sons, and <clears throat> back back when before they decided to go to school, I had some money to you know breed and race, uh, and they, they love coming down. And that's when things were a little bit looser on the back stretch, and you know you could run around and they could drive a golf cart and. Uh, <clears throat> The outrider, you know, after the races were over, he'd give one of my sons a leg up on his pony, and my son would ride it back to the barn with no helmet on. I mean, things were a little bit different. Of course, you you could put Ray Charles on that horse, and he would have known exactly where he was going. But my son thought he was riding the horse. But I think it's great when we can get the next generation uh, interested. And to this day, my my oldest son, he's he's. St- still likes to play it and we you know watch the races on tv together and such and he likes to bet a little bit but uh so so okay so you started getting into it you you got a horse what 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 got you to the point that you started getting involved with the organization well uh, about 2000 um uh, well we actually uh, one of one of the first horses that we purchased went on to be a, uh, a multiple stakes winner, uh, so the so the hook was in. Um, That's dangerous, and, yeah. Right, right, and uh, so when she retired, um, we bought a farm in uh, the uh, Doylestown area, Bucks County in Pennsylvania, and uh, uh, we started breeding. So after a couple of years of breeding. I said, well, if we're going to be involved in this, uh, I want to make sure that we can uh, also, uh, you know, do the best that we can for uh, for the state. So I contacted the uh, uh, Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Organization uh, a year or so later, went on the board, and then uh, went up through the seats uh, and uh, was uh, uh, vice president and president for five years, and... Uh, the executive secretary was leaving at the time, and uh, uh, I applied for a position and got it. 
Well, you know, it's great because you've seen the sport from several different sides. Now, uh, Brian Sanfratello, you've got to catch us up on what this Governor Tom Wolf tried to pull and hopefully what your organization and others in the state are trying to do to put the brakes on it. Right. And his budget proposal, uh, our money uh, comes from an assessment on the casino. It's not taxpayers' money. It's not the money of the state. So when the casino wanted to come into Pennsylvania, they um, uh, they understood, because at that time, we were the only game in town. So uh, they knew, and we knew, that there's only so much uh, expendable income here. Uh, so we were, our, our handle was going to go down. So to reimburse us for that, they gave us a small percentage of the slot revenue. Um, so this goes in what's called the resource development fund. And it's actually a pass-through account. All the money from the uh, casino goes to the state and then it filters back, uh, to the, uh, uh, casino and the horseman's groups. So, um, uh, in 2000, well, what started happening once that fund was put together was that um, the state would come back to us and say, well, we have a shortfall here in the general fund, or we need money for this or that, and they would um, take money from the resource development fund. So people who wanted to invest or wanted to breed, they said, well, you know what, well, I'm not sure we can rely on the money being there in Pennsylvania. So they were tentative. Um, so what happened after that was we said, we need to put this money into a trust so it can't be touched. So in 2017, Good. the money was put into the Resource Development Trust Fund, uh, and Governor Wolf even signed that back in 2017. So everything was fine for a three-year period uh, until this budget, when uh, his proposal was to redirect, or what I think his word was repurpose, uh, $204 million of the approximate $235 million that passes through that account in the course of a year. Um, plus, there's, you know, there's other things that we do. We pay for testing uh, in the state. So it would have left us with only about $10 million total for the industry. And this is both standard bread and thoroughbred. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when, when it came out, you know, we basically, uh, uh, I mean, we had like a little heads up uh, a couple of weeks before it came out. And, uh, you know, we explained that uh, to the staff that we didn't think it was a good idea. In fact, other people told the governor uh, that work within the state that it wasn't a good idea. Uh, but uh, he decided to uh, to try it uh, anyway. Um since then, um, you know, you know how sometimes 
you can't get two people on the racetrack to agree on anything. <laughs> well, well, for the past three weeks or so, I, I have never seen a mobilization within our industry like this. Um, people from inside Pennsylvania, outside Pennsylvania, um, unbelievable pushback on this. Um, legislators, I don't know how many legislators I talked to uh, that said, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to let this happen. Uh, if the governor wants uh, the money for education, um, which we, you know, which, uh, you know, to, uh, we think education is fantastic. But to decimate an industry in order to fund that is another story. So um, uh, we've been, uh, you know, we've had a couple rallies. Um, uh, we were just up by just... Uh, testified yesterday in front of the uh, Agriculture uh, Committee um, in the House. And uh, uh, I think I'm going to be, I'll probably be doing a lot of back and forth to Harrisburg over the next three or four months. But everything seems to be going in the right direction. Um, I think the one thing, and you you understand this, is that even if he doesn't take a dime, which he probably won't, the the perception is out there that, um, um, you know, somebody else is trying to take money from the fund. So we've already had people that, uh, you know, were going to send mayors um, to PA um, that decided not to. So, um, you know, this hurts us, like I said, whether, you know, it actually happens or not. And, uh, you know, everything we've we've seen uh, so far indicates to us that it's not going to happen. Oh, that is good news. When, when will you get the final word on that? Do you know? Um, the, the process in Pennsylvania is long and drawn out. The, uh, the budget uh, doesn't have to be signed until the um, end of June. It's usually signed end of June, beginning of July, unless there's, some problems, you know, we've seen it drag on for months before it actually was signed. But most of the time, uh, it's done in that uh, in that time frame. Um, uh, what else is uh, was funny is that um, since the trust was signed, we our mayor's bread have risen from sixteen to nineteen, forty seven percent. In Pennsylvania, on the thoroughbred side, this when the national average during the same period has been down about 15.8%. So the trust worked. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, a big part uh, of this uh, is jobs. Um, You know, we estimate approximately 20,000 jobs. Uh, in our industry across the state, uh, 1.6 billion in uh, economic impact, um, and over 100,000 acres of open space. Um, and then, I mean, our industry has a huge spillover um, to farmers, feed companies, blacksmiths, veterinarians, fencing, barns, equine equipment 
all of that. When you put all that together, you could be talking upwards of 40,000 jobs across the state. So right. um, uh, I don't, you know, I don't think the governor was aware or misinformed on the huge economic impact that uh, Pennsylvania has. And uh, uh, we talked, we also, because he's always, uh, uh, the state's always uh, touting, well, we have uh, um, the number one mushroom business uh, in the United States. Where's it come and, from? Uh, yeah, yeah, where's it, where's it come from? Right. So, uh, uh, you know, I talked to a couple mushroom people. They're, all, they're already um, bringing some of their compost in from out of state. Well, if our industry uh, was to cease, um, uh, I don't know what would happen to the, to the mushroom industry. Brian, well, just to, just to catch our audience up on what the topic, because some people are going, what the hell are they talking about? Horse right. manure is used to put on the mushroom fields, and it grows a very healthy mushroom. Now, I told a lot of my friends that, and they said, well, that's the last time I'm eating mushroom soup. But I remember uh, sitting there, and the 18-wheelers would pull up on the back stretch. These drivers were good. They'd get out. They'd get in the tractor, and they would pick it up. They'd load their 18-wheeler. They'd put the tarp back on. And guess what? On the side of their truck, the majority of them said Pennsylvania. And a lot of them were like, oh, I want to say Hunts or Campbell's, stuff like that, that was going to supply the mushroom farmers with it. And people couldn't believe when I told them that. But, yeah, horse manure is what gets the mushrooms on your pizza, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pennsylvania is responsible for approximately 40% of all the mushrooms that are grown in the United States. Wow. Well, listen, we're talking with Brian Sanfrantello. Uh, Brian, I've, I've got a break and get our next guest on. I thank you so much for taking the time with us, but it's good to hear that. I don't know how many months it's going to take, but I think we got a happy ending here. Correct. I, um, 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 you never say positive, but all indications are showing me that that's, that's the case. That's awesome. Well, Brian Sanfrantello, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And we will be watching what's going on in Pennsylvania because I know some other states it could happen to. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Uh, All right. Quick break here. When we come back, uh, one of my favorite guests, the man who flies through racing, the one, the only Eric Wing. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. 
pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, you've heard me introduce him a lot uh, over the months and years, and uh, I've already uh, tagged him at the top of the show as Eric Wayne, the Communications Director for Horse Tourneys, but he's the longtime MC of the NTRA National Handicapping Championship in Vegas, and I know he was back there a couple weeks ago. Eric Wayne, welcome to Winning Ponies, and tell us about your experience out in Vegas. How was it? Oh, thanks, John. How are you? It, it was great. It, it, like, uh, for my money, it might have been the most exciting NHC I've ever been to, um, just the way it all played out. Um, and, and I guess when I say that, day two was really exciting with just a lot of long shots coming in and a lot of uh, topsy-turviness on the leaderboard and uh, kind of the... Uh, climactic moment on day two was the uh, Tampa Bay Stakes, which was a mandatory race, and if hardcore racing fans might recall it, Admiralty Pier won the race at 21 to 1, but wow. had to withstand a very lengthy steward uh, inquiry to do so, and so many people had him in the room, and um, at the same time, a whole lot of other people were up in contention and were rooting for the horse to come down so that they wouldn't be, like, stampeded past by the people who had <laughs> Admiralty Pier, that it, it just uh, created a very tense, exciting moment that was probably more enjoyable for me as a sort of uh, <clears throat> non-interested spectator as opposed to somebody with skin in the game. But it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, Thomas Goldsmith uh, got to, got himself to the final table and prevailed to win the $800,000 grand prize. But it was a terrific tournament. And um, one of the other headlines was just what a terrific venue Bally's was in this second iteration of Bally's National Horse Players Championships, uh, now in their big, gigantic new event center, which housed all... 500 and, or 600 people 
very comfortably and adequately. Great, great venue, great setting. It was, uh, it was a terrific event. And like I say, probably one of the best I've been to. And I hear nothing uh, but good things about you and your participation there. Now, again, I am a, a horseplayers.com uh, player, and uh, <clears throat> it's just, it, it's amazing, man. I don't know when you sleep putting all these things together. Now, you, you got one that kind of sounds like uh, kind of the way I practice safe sex in college, and that's your pick and pray contest. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, so, uh, but, but I think you've got a more interesting night, not more interesting, but I know you've got one that you want to highlight over this weekend. Feel free to keep that. Yeah. I think you might've been referring to a different, uh, a different phrase, the poke and pray. (laughs) Pick and pray is a, um, is a, is one of our two main formats involving, uh, uh, it, the other being live format, and let's say a typical contest is 12 races, and half, roughly half the time we have live format races where you pick each race as it takes place, so to speak, so you can check the post parade, check the board, check the odds, etc. And then on pick and praise, you put all your picks in in advance before the first of the 12 races and uh, <clears throat> uh, and play it that way. And we have... Plenty of people. Well, roughly half our half our uh, clientele prefers one, and half the clientele prefers the other, which is why we kind of split it up a little bit. Now, do you have something special going on this weekend other than the pick and pray? Oh gosh, we sure do. Uh, this is one of our biggest. Uh, a lot of we have cash games every week, and we also have a slew, as you know, John, as a as a player. We have a slew of qualifiers where, wherein people can qualify for the NHC or the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge or any host of other big tournaments. But um, we have a couple of special proprietary in-house games during the year, and Saturday is one of them. It's the Flocal Face-Off. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yes, it's it's. Um, the pot is, uh, it was guaranteed at 100000 but we've already blown past the guarantee. It's going to be at least 120000 on Saturday. Um, it's, it's a two-day competition, and the reason why it's the FloCal face-off is because it's, it's the full cards on Saturday and Sunday from Gulfstream, which is, of course, uh, Fountain of Youth Day on Saturday, and also uh, Santa Anita, which is the Cal portion of FloCal. So you have to make a pick in every race on each card, both days, a $2 mythical win in place, person who racks up the highest uh, returns on those, I guess it'll be close to 40 races or thereabouts, maybe more than that because Gulfstream's running 14 on Saturday. Highest return wins. Uh, we're looking at a – we have a couple of more qualifiers tomorrow, Friday, so people can get in for as little as $86 still, uh, or they can buy in on, uh, on FloCal Day for 1500 But um, the pot's already up and over the 120000 mark. Winner will probably get 50000 plus. We have $10,000 in day money for people who do best just on day one or day two. Um, we did the first iteration of this last summer with the Spot and Surf Showdown, 
which was similar to this, only full card racing from Del Mar and Saratoga. Uh, that was so popular and such a success that we wanted to do it again, and so we've, we're doing it with Gulfstream and Santa Anita. But it's a big money, high excitement, uh, big tournament we have on tap for Saturday and Sunday. But again, if you want to get in, you have to do so before uh, the first race at Gulfstream on Saturday, which takes place at an early 11.30 a.m. post-time Saturday. Yeah, well, you want to talk about early post-times. If you're looking out at Saudi Arabia, you better get the sleep out of your eyes. The first race is at 8 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Um, I, I kind of went over the card earlier, and it's just like one race gets better and better and better. But let's face it, the, the one that uh, we're all looking forward to is the $20 million Saudi Cup. And really, you know... Uh, I've heard nothing but good things about the track, and I've also heard that our horses that were smart to get over early and acclimate uh, are all training well, and that would be Maximum Security, Midnight Bizu, who I'm shocked to realize this is the first time she ever faced males, uh, Tacitus, and uh, McKenzie, uh, Mucho Gusto, um, Mad. Mucho gusto, macho man. I don't know where to stop. Uh, but anyhow, the, the top five horses very familiar to, to people in America. Now, I, I understand it's not really good to have drawn one of the outside posts, but uh, those are some serious names in racing. And I guess when they dropped the person, the Pegasus, that made a lot of people's connections look over to this race. Yeah, it's uh, $20 million plus. The jockey who wins will get... Uh, I believe about 1.2 million just for just for the oh single my race. God. Um, should point out uh, for people who are handicapping, and you, you mentioned post position, but as is often the case with European racing, the program number does not conform to post position. So you got to read the fine print to see where they're actually starting from. For example, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gronkowski is. Uh, Number six, post five, McKinsey, number eight, post nine. So you got to double check that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's really a, a hard race. The the uh, it'd be nice if they had more than the rudimentary uh, past performances that are available yeah. right now. I, I, I will point out as a public service to horse players that uh, the takeout rates are not quite as player friendly as. You and I might be used to receiving. Um, I, I don't know if that's uh, a response to the uh, recent dip in the stock market or whatnot, but uh, the, uh, the the win place and show will be uh, taken out at a rate of 20%, and exact is on up or 27%. So, you know, you may want to factor that into what, you know how hard you take a shot at the uh, trifecta or superfecta. Um, it will be uh, a somewhat usurious takeout by our North American standards, but the the worldwide pools will be commingled, and it's a you know I, I guess the race sort of comes down to the you know the five Americans that you mentioned versus uh, the rest of the field, several of which are sort of might be familiar to us from the the the. Uh, the Dubai World Cup card of last year, where you saw horses like Gronkowski and Capizano um, 
running against the Americans. Uh, so, so we've got like a, a home team and a road team, so to speak, uh, doing battle again. Well, it, it will be interesting. And again, the races start very early, uh, but but this one is going to be at a, at a little more of a normal time where you're going to get to see it. 1240. Most people are already looking at their racing form by 1240. So speaking of looking at a racing form, let's look at ours real quickly and uh, got some great wide open race. I mean, Gulfstream, eight graded stakes races so we're just going to tap on a couple of them of course uh, legendary in you know the derby trail is the fountain of youth and this is a a, a big points race this is pretty much winning your end for these uh, for these horses once they get up to here because uh, we're talking 50 20 10 and 5 uh, as far as the points are concerned now um I, I guess the story kind of as far as the fountain of youth revolves around uh, Dennis's moment, who was the now horse last year when he, you know, popped eyes at Ellis Park with a 19 length debut, parlayed it back with a graded stakes win in the Iroquois, and then just went to his knees at the start of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So that left a lot of questions. And I, I think, Eric, the question it also leaves is we haven't seen him compete yet this year. I, I think, as much as I love his connections and I've got nothing against the horse, th- this might be an opportunity for a bet against. Yeah, it's hard to say. And by the way, uh, his regular rider, Rod Ortiz Jr., will not be riding because he'll right. be in Saudi Arabia uh, riding Mucho Gusto. But uh, Flavian Pratt has the mount on Dennis's moment. Kind of a surprise package. I mean, for all the reasons you said, he had the, uh, the bad luck in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He was the odds-on favorite there. But had a couple of gaudy figures in the 90s uh, winning in Kentucky before that. Um, hard to know how he's going to fare. He's been working fine. Uh, his trainer, Dale Romans, won this race two years ago with, uh, from an outside post with the speedy promises fulfilled. Um, but there are plenty of other horses who have run really as fast in the past as Dennis's moment has, um, although they're not, they don't have uh, post positions that are quite as snug as, as Dennis's post five. So, I would agree he's one of the contenders. Uh, I would actually expect him to go off higher than his morning line odds of 2-1, to one. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it, it, uh, of the couple of races we'll be talking about, I think this is the harder of the two to have like uh, really strong, concrete thoughts about. Uh, well, you know, <clears throat> looking at what's been going on at, at Gulfstream, I mean, the rail post, Eric, is winning at a 24% clip. And uh, so close to the inside. But, man, there's a lot of horses here that tend to like to go to the front. and It'll be interesting to see if any of them beat each other up on the front end. Yeah, there, there sure will be. And, and that's one way you neutralize a bad post. Going, especially going two turns at Gulfstream, is to rock it to the front. Um, there were a few who could do that despite outside post positions. The one I'm most interested in is Ete Indian, which incidentally is French for Indian Summer, which is uh, fitting because the sire is Summer Front and the dam is East India. But uh-huh. Ete Indian, um, as many horses have this year, made a very successful transition going turf to dirt for yes. Patrick Biancone. He upset 
the Chad Brown trained Toledo in an allowance and then did all the racing in the Holy Bull, um, really spit on Toledo in that one and held everybody off except Tis the Law, who ran just a huge race in the Holy Bull. I think Tis the Law would be a pretty short price in this field. Ete Indian is also not a need-the-lead type of horse, which might come in handy. Florent Giroux rides because Luca Panici is hurt. Um, I think he comes out of the best race. I think he's plenty fast enough. And, gosh, the Biancone horses have all been running. We saw uh, Sol Volante win the Sam F. Davis impressively at Tampa over NHC weekend. So he's the one I'm most interested in with um, – with the two horses who come out of the Mucho Macho Man uh, behind him, number six as seen on TV, and number 12, Chancet, who's got a big chance if he stays in the field. I know trainer Safi Joseph has been uh, thinking out loud, if you will, about scratching because of the poor post position. But, uh, and then, of course, there's Dennis's moment, number five, who you know, certainly has credentials as the... Uh, as the Iroquois winner and the Breeders' Cup juvenile odds-on favorite, um, trained by a guy who's, you know, been this way before. So, um, I, you know, those are the four most likely winners, I would say. I would expect two of those to run well, two of those to run not at all well, and, and, and the, the question will be which two are, are which. All right, well, I'm down to two minutes to post here, so let's go to the uh, girls' points race of the Devonna Dale, grade two. Uh, they're they're going a mile, which is legit, and uh, j- just from looking at this, you know, uh, y- you've got the could-be-any-kind potential free course, Spice is Nice, who only cost $1,050,000, I believe, um, and is trained by Todd Pletcher that uh, just ran off the board, winning by an easy 12th, Johnny V up, uh, has a lot of things going, but always a mystery for the only one race. And then Tonalist Shape, who's uh, done nothing but be in shape, four for four during her career. Yeah, you, you've landed on the two shortest price horses. I do think Spice is Nice will be the favorite. Um, <clears throat> bear in mind, she'll be jumping from Maiden Special to Graded Stakes Company in one fell swoop. Um, Tonalist Shape, I thought, was the best two-year-old filly in the country last year. Um, and her, I, I think the buyer might be wrong in her last race, uh, you know, or, or miscalculated, if you will. Um, she's a very, very good filly. Um, the other two horses I'll mention real quickly, Nikki and Papa is a maiden and was a maiden yeah. in her debut versus Tonalist Shape and got utterly left in the gate and the forward gal. She almost went over the well. rail. She, she took a left-hand turn. She almost went over she the rail. Left. She <laughs> took a left-hand turn and ran super in that race. I do give her a chance as one of the four top, top flight horses. The other being Reluctant Bride, who I sort of slyly referenced indirectly in that this is a Patrick Bione horse going turf to dirt, which we've already seen at Tay Indian and, and Sol Volante do very successfully. Uh, Reluctant Bride has been training up a storm. So for me, it's in no particular order. Nikki and Papa, Reluctant Bride, Spice is Nice, and Tonalist Shape with the notable exceptions being Nikki and Papa and Reluctant Bride, who will be three times the price of the other two. Yeah, and you gotta you got to put Nikki and Papa in there. I mean, who doesn't like a horse ridden by Fanny Olson? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, 
she certainly got a chance to uh, learn about him in the last race and, and she, some she, of his quirks. She rides him every morning. I talked to his owner. She's uh, she's in love with this horse. She knows all about him. So they decided to ride her in the afternoon. But my producer, Josh, is going, hey, buddy, you got to get out of here. So say goodbye to Eric Wing. Horse Tourneys, check out their site. If you're looking for action, you can go to Horse Tourneys and get it. And you can go to winningponies.com and pull down our easy win forms because there's just too many races to handicap. Let us do it for you. So for Eric Wing and Brian Sanfratello, my producer, Josh, I'm John Englehart. When you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week. And may your photos always be winners.